It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hope y'all had a nice weekend. Happy Easter for those of you that celebrate. Happy Passover for those of you that celebrate. And happy Sunday for those of you that don't. Today, we watched the 2005 Cincinnati Bengals beat the 2005 Pittsburgh Steelers in a watch along with the Bengals UK podcast. But we'll talk about that game tomorrow because it's Mock Draft Monday, Joe. And so we have a Mock Draft Monday to get to. And before we start the Mock Draft Monday, we want to take a look back at last year's draft class. Now that we're just over a week away from the 2020 NFL Draft, we're going to finalize our grades in a live stream on Twitch this Friday. So with that in mind, we're going to take a look back at last year's class, see where we were right, see where we were maybe a little bit off, and talk about how that maybe has informed our process for this year. Joe, the draft is only about 10 days away, and our grades are almost finalized for this 2020 class. But let's take a look back at last year. Jonah Williams, we had a clear first round grade on, and we were very happy with that pick, despite being relatively locked in on linebacker for much of the pre-draft process. Yeah, it's funny because I think at the time they had Cordy Glenn, they signed Bobby Hart. We were looking at it like, well, maybe they won't take a tackle. But it's also the idea of, and we've parroted this this year, that 
if you sign those positions, you're not forced to draft that position. And we saw, right, at the time when the Bengals took Jonah Williams, he was the clear best player available. It looked like a perfect fit. And then we saw the rest of that tackle class really fall and end up even slipping into round two. So that's something we did not know or expect at the time. And one question we've been asked often is how does Jonah Williams stack up to this year's draft class? And going by our process, he would not have been in the top four tackles available most likely. He would have had an excellent tape grade, but what really holds him back is what we ended up grading him at size and what his athletic testing was. He tested as a slightly above average athlete, well within the average range, and weighing in at just 302 pounds with 33 and a half inch arms, he was a bare minimum for offensive tackle in a lot of ways, and that weight might hold him back if he hasn't been able to add weight at this level, but we're still putting all of our eggs in the Jonah Williams basket in 2020. Yeah, and with the second-round pick, they were on the clock, and we thought there was a chance they could get Dalton Reisner, one of the tackles. Reports were they wanted to trade up and get one of the guys that fell, Cody Ford, Jawan Taylor. They didn't get any of them, any of those offensive linemen. It would have been nice now looking back a year later to say, hey, you've got Jonah Williams and your left guard. Instead, they traded back, and now what is the infamous pick of Drew Sample, tight end out of Washington? We liked him, Jake, but we did not like him in round two. Yeah, I think we ended up, with a day three grade on Drew Sample, he just had little to no production despite testing out at a really good athleticism score with pretty good size. He just didn't have the production at Washington. And so the hope for Drew Sample remains that he was underused at Washington and the Bengals can find the way to lean on him. And of course, we're waiting for his blocking to translate to the NFL because that was really his calling card at Washington. But it's interesting that you mentioned the name Dalton Reisner. He was actually our top tackle mm-hmm. in our grading last year. The Bengals had a shot at him in the second round, but Denver pulled some hoodwinks and convinced the Bengals that they were going to take Reisner and wanted to trade up for Locke. I remain unconvinced that that was the case. But as is, the Bengals end up with Drew Sample in the second round instead. Before going... Joe, in the third round to linebacker where they pick Jermaine Pratt, who was our best available linebacker at the time. And behind Ben Burkirvin, who didn't really work out or hasn't worked out yet, he was our fourth linebacker in our grading system last year. And he'd probably be in that range again this year if you compare it to this year's class. Uh, 76.9 grade. So, for example, Jonah Williams for us was an 80.4, which is a clear first rounder. We like Jermaine Pratt as a late day two pick and he was the second highest graded player they drafted last year according to our system so we're very happy with that pick and i think based on the way he played during the second half of the year the progression he made and he's penciled to be the starting linebacker now i think this is a good pick as of right now one year in and then on day three the bengals had an enormous amount of picks they used some of those to trade up they picked three times in the fourth round three times in the sixth round and once in the seventh round those fourth round picks ended up being ryan finley Rennell ren and michael jordan michael jordan now is looking to compete for a starting job again in year two after he won that job at times in his rookie season Rennell ren showed some flashes coming into the league as a raw athlete with an advanced age And none of the rest of these guys really made much of an impact besides Ryan Finley ensuring the Bengals picked number one overall this year. 
Yeah, that was a crucial pick right there because it leads to Joe Burrow. But if I had to guess out of this fourth round, because normally you can get one guy that can be a contributor, I'd say it has to be Michael Jordan. If he's penciled in to start at left guard, I think he could take that jump in year two. And maybe Ronell Wren uh, surprises and develops into a rotational defensive tackle. I think Ronell Wren could be fine for 10, 15 snaps a game. And in the fourth round, you can't complain too much about that. None of the six-round picks really did much. Travion Williams remains the third running back on the roster. Deshaun Davis was cut. And Rodney Anderson is battling back from yet another ACL injury. And we wish him all the best in that recovery. So, Joe, let's spend a few minutes talking about how our process is evolving this year. Last year, we took an entirely new track and implemented a new grading system for these prospects. And there are going to be some pretty big differences this year. Offensive tackle is kind of apples and oranges. So even though Jonah's grade would come in very low this year and relative to last year, meaning he was at like 80 and a half and our top tackles this year are in the high 80s. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think the gap is that big between them, but maybe it is too. Maybe this is my orange tinted glasses. But the big thing here is Ryan Finley's grade 74.7 is a sign to me that we did not weigh our film grades high enough on quarterbacks last year. What lessons learned do you take away from last year to this year's experience? No, I think you're definitely right. I'm looking at Ryan Finley's film grade last year, tape grade, traits, upside, 67 out of 100. And to compare that, I had Dwayne Haskins at a 77. I One of the other guys I had lower than Ryan Finley or comparable, Jordan Tayamu. Uh, Trace McSorley and Clayton Thorson. So I was not high on Ryan Finley when I watched him. He just had decent size. He played a lot. PFF liked him. Production score was pretty high. So I allowed that to balance out what I believe to be a limited upside guy career backup. Now, maybe that 74.7 grade, final grade he gets means that's what he is. And he's never going to get better than that. And he is a career backup in the fourth round then I guess we could look back in four or five years and say, yeah, it was right. You got a career backup. But the way he played last year as a rookie, no, it should be based on what the tape was strictly that he was bad and and not somebody you should invest a pick in. And I think one thing that really stands out to me when I look at last year's draft classes, we did not ding the 24 age group quarterbacks enough. We gave them a minus one to their final score. I think in retrospect, maybe that should be more like a minus five because there's really no track record of quarterbacks coming into the league that old and succeeding for 23. For sure, there's some. Gardner Minshew, for example, comes in at 23 with average production in college and He's a serviceable NFL quarterback, whereas all the 24-year-olds, Will Greer, we were way too high on. Ryan Finley, I think we're too high on with his final grade here. Trace McSorley, the other one, he's low for other reasons. But if we had taken that lesson last year, because we did ding them, we just didn't do it enough, because there was really no reason for these guys to be draftable quarterbacks with the age track record being what it is. No, you're right. Anyone 24 and above, and we talked about it a lot last year, trying to find a mid-round quarterback to draft, we were weary of Finley and Greer because of it. But Greer I actually liked on tape and had great production. Uh, Finley, I was kind of like, eh. Um, But Greer did not play well either for the Carolina Panthers. They've signed Teddy Bridgewater. I expect they probably will draft a mid-round quarterback again, maybe to compete with him. And uh, so, yeah, I would look at this and say, I, I agree with you on that. If we're going to make an adjustment, let's really ding those 24-year-olds because the chance of them panning out is very slim. 
Yeah, it would have to be a really superlative. Like if Joe Burrow was 24 and we still slapped a minus five on him, he would still be really good because all of his other numbers are so good in our system. But mm. for these guys in the mid rounds, yeah, if we knock Ryan Finley down, I think this list and knock Will Greer down, this list looks a lot better in retrospect. Although yeah. we, we still end up a little high on Tyree Jackson. Uh, but he had great size and great athleticism, Joe. Anyway, let's get into Mock Draft Monday with all these lessons in mind. Our board is not yet finalized, but we will be using it more as a tool. And since the PFF draft machine is new, that is what we're going to play with today. So stick around and we'll get to that Mock Draft Monday next. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's Mock Draft Monday, and the clock is ticking for the Bengals to actually make the real pick when the NFL draft begins and we're just less than two weeks away, Jake. So we're only going to do really, I mean, this is two mock draft Mondays away and that's it. And then we're, we're starting this and doing the real thing and never have to play with a mock draft tool ever again in our lives until next year. But we're using PFFs. Theirs came out this week, pro football focus. It's pretty fun because it's different, but it gives you some new options. And I think that's okay. Plus it gives you grades. It grades you, which we don't have to do anymore because We've gotten criticized for grading our own drafts incorrectly based on opinions of those. But so here we are, Jake. We've got PFF. People have asked me first before we go too far. Joe, what are your settings? Because maybe I got weird results or something. I don't know. But I keep the randomness on. I keep it so that they value positional value. And then I put 75% public, 25% PFF in terms of the board. Because PFF, while I appreciate their grading system, if they rank their board based on their grades, I don't think that's reflective of what we should expect come draft day. Yeah, there's always some pretty big divergences from the PFF board and the way PFF does position value and the NFL. And then there's other times when PFF is on guys that the rest of the draft Twitter people aren't on and the NFL goes after those guys early. So I think there's a fair enough split that you can't say PFF is always wrong because everyone's always wrong about the draft. But we, of course, go Joe Burrow with that first overall pick. I know some of you may have seen a tweet that Joe Burrow said something to the Bengals about not wanting to play there. That has not been substantiated. In fact, Ben Albright told Pro Football Network that that is not the case and reiterated what we've known since the Senior Bowl, which is that the Bengals are listening to offers for the first-round pick. So nothing new there. No reason to be concerned at this time. I am still waiting for someone with multiple sources, someone who is a true journalist, because the guy that quote-unquote reported this had one source and is not a journalist and didn't do any additional digging. He just said, I heard this thing, and uh, that's kind of that. So I believe that the guy heard it. I don't necessarily believe that it's true. Actually, if I don't believe it's true at all. It's truly lying season. But, Joe, we're on the board here with the second pick of the draft. Mm -hmm. Let's set the table here. 
So the table is set with Joe Burrow picked number one overall, of course. We end up in round two, pick one. Obviously, Denzel Mims, Zach Bond, they are gone. Cesar Ruiz is gone all in the last few picks. It's going to be a rough uh, final five or so picks, I believe, for us. But uh, Zach Bond at Green Bay, Baltimore, Cesar Ruiz, great. Isn't that how it works? No, no, you know what I scare I had today? I saw a mock draft with the Ravens taking Denzel Mims, and I just thought, oof. Don't do that to me, please. We've had enough uh, of that in recent memory. So as we're on the clock there, you may have noticed that I didn't mention any of the linebackers going. Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are still available. The top receiver is T. Higgins. Jake doesn't want a linebacker at 33. He thinks this might be a trade-down scenario. I would trade down in this scenario. I'm not sure if I think the Bengals would necessarily trade down in this scenario, depending on how far back they go. I think that Bengals fans, if this scenario happened and the Bengals didn't pick Patrick Queen, would by and large be pretty upset about it. Uh, But I have bought into the idea that linebacker positional value is not where I want to spend my draft capital in the second round. And so Mm -hmm. I would be looking to try to move back here and targeting a tackle, targeting a guy that just does more. If it's Zach Bond, you can talk me into Zach Bond at 33 because in addition to projecting as a future strong side linebacker, I think he's a sub-package rusher. And I think that's very valuable because he's very good at it. But when it's just Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, with the relative strength of the se- of the late second, third round linebackers at this point, especially as we get to watch more of them, I'm even deeper. not on it fourth fifth round there's gonna be good linebackers draft this year i actually think linebacker class is better than wide receiver class in the mid rounds so here's the thing real fast before i tell you how if i agree with you or not jake two things patrick queen right i really like him more on tape than kenneth murray i think he defends run better i think he understands run fits better we see much more of him in coverage than we do kenneth murray he's what i would like on tape the production score is not there uh you look at some of the analytics and they wouldn't touch them in the first round or second round based on solo tackle market share and the production he had. And it's largely because he didn't play until week five. So I get it. You can make the excuse for why his production scores are low, but it's supposed to cause a red flag for you. And he's six foot two twenty nine. He's one of the smaller guys. If the Bengals had concerns with Devin Bush last year based on size, which it seems like they may have, uh, I think they would have the same concerns with Patrick queen. Now, on the other hand, Kenneth Murray, has the size, has the body, great character guy. Um, he tested really, really well. Didn't do every test, but a 99th percentile athlete for linebacker with production scores that are really good, 80th percentile, he should go first round every time. Why isn't he going in the first round? Because he's a bad run defender right now. His run fits are bad. I don't think he reads it very correctly. And Oklahoma asked him to do nothing. They said, here's a gap, you shoot it, basically. And even in pass coverage, they said, uh, spy the quarterback and chase him blitz or cover the flats uh, the running backs in man coverage uh you look at pff's grade again for kenneth murray against the run 59.6 not great and that's what he does he doesn't do anything in coverage so he's a complete projection he's a ball of clay that everyone says is a great guy and he's smart he'll get it don't worry about it well then why didn't oklahoma do more oklahoma's the one of the top what three universities in the country that gets their guys to perform at the maximum level and they didn't ask kenneth murray to do more that's a that's a flag for me 
That uh, was so, one of the issues I have with Richard Skinner's. The Bengals should trade back and they should take Tua, Kenneth Murray, and, and Josh Jones. Mm-hmm. I really like Jones. I do not like Kenneth Murray with the Bengals' first two picks in the draft because he's, as you said, Joe, he's a massive projection. And I am not comfortable at all making that projection and using so much draft capital to do so. So you said you were going to tell me what you would do here if you agreed with me. Would you take would, Queen or would you move back? I actually think the out of, of the three top guys on this board, which are Queen, T. Higgins, and Kenneth Murray, T. Higgins would be the right pick. But I'm not going to advocate for that. I'm advocating for trading back, trying to accumulate a fourth or third or third and something else. But if you can get a third round pick and a trade back, uh, I think it's 100% worth it. So let's see if we can get one. Joe, these teams in the PFF mock draft simulator are not very good negotiators. They took our first offer, which was to move back six picks to pick up the 69th pick. That's a very nice return, if you know what I mean. So we're on the board here at 38. We've got the first pick in the third round and the sixth pick in the third round now. Fifth pick in the third round. And Patrick Queen's still available, Joe. And just like last week, we could take him again after trading back. If we use our board, he is not going to be a top five linebacker in this class. It's, I mean, Jordan Brooks is going to be higher. Logan Wilson's going to be higher. Willie Gay Jr. is going to be higher. It's going to be a situation where we're going to have to understand that Patrick Queen doesn't pass the filters in terms of risk. And taking him, while the upside is high, because I do think on tape and the athletic skill set is definitely what I'm looking for, the risk there is a factor. So do we take a guy like... And that's here's the hard part, right? Because Austin Jackson, I would say the exact same thing. I would say that tape's lower, but the athleticism and production are high for him. Same, Ezra Cleveland is like in you-can't-fail range in terms of tested athleticism for a tackle, but I don't like him as much on tape as I do Patrick Queen. So I would rather lean towards the tape here and take a guy like Queen and say, then, then say take a guy with the athleticism, the testing, the analytics – of a Austin Jackson or Ezra Cleveland. Here's the other thing that we could talk about. And let's not dwell on this pick for too long because we have three more to make, four more to make because we traded back. What about a wide receiver, Joe? In the PFF mock draft scenarios, we see these receivers fly off the board. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at Michael Pittman being the last guy that really I'm comfortable with that's available at receiver here. Is there any argument to just go with the receiver at this point? Uh, you can go with a receiver at this point, but Michael Pittman isn't a completely no, he's not safe prospect either. Here's the here's the curveball for you, and it's going to be I think there's a starting spot on the defense that's not linebacker, and maybe it's replacing a guy that played pretty well last year in Josh Dubow, and it's the five tech that could possibly rush the passer from inside next to Geno Atkins, potentially replace Geno Atkins in a couple of years. And I think the the top D tackle is probably Justin Matabike. Yeah, and the Bengals have talked to him. I think that if the Bengals pick Justin Matabike ahead of Patrick Queen, ahead of Austin Jackson and Ezra Cleveland, there might be some riots. But we know they met with him, and we know there's a fit there. How does he come out in our system? So if you listened to the show earlier, we gave Jonah Williams an 80 grade. It's not a one-for-one, one, but so keep that in mind. But Justin Matabike currently has an 82 Point one. He is 6'3", 293 pounds, a little light, but 
and a half inch arms, which is great, especially for the Bengals profile of normally picking a guy with 33 and a third inch arms. So he's got decent size. The tape, I give him an 81, which is top four of defensive tackles in this class. Production, 77th percentile. Relative athletic score, 93rd percentile. PFF over the last two years give him an average of an 85 grade, which is very, very good. An 88 against the run, and we know he can rush the passer. His pass rush win rate is pretty good at a 14.9, which is about above average. I think Justin Matabike makes a lot of sense. I think he does some things. I think that the Bengals need. I think he can play in year one. Let's make the pick and upset our listeners. And we will come back with two picks at the top of the third round to try to mitigate those listener concerns coming up next. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are back in round three. And remember, we have two picks this round. We own the Carolina Panthers pick as they moved up and got T. Higgins in round two. We moved back, got Justin Matabike the defensive interior lineman out of Texas A&M. Now, where do we stand at this pick? Looking at the board, some of the top guys are mostly edge guys. There is Curtis Weaver. There's Josh Uchi. There's some also some off. There is also some offensive linemen, Tyler Biatis, Isaiah Wilson, and Lucas Nyang, and also Robert Hunt. I think we can go any of that way. Prince Tega Winogo also. Jack, I think there's a lot of guys here. Do we go linebacker, though? Because we haven't gotten a linebacker yet. Jordan Brooks, Willie Gay Jr., Troy Dye. I think there's a lot of options. I'm glad we have two picks. I'm pretty comfortable with going with the offensive lineman first, especially if we pretend Isaiah Wilson might actually be there. Depends on what you hear, right, or what Mm -hmm. you believe. Lance Zerline saying he could be the fifth tackle off the board. He could go in the first round, and he's an absolute mammoth, and it wouldn't surprise me. If some NFL team saw that size and said that they had to have him, size and strength, really. Mm -hmm. But I I do feel good enough about the depth of linebacker here to wait until the 69th pick. It's only a few picks away. I I think that if you can get one of Jordan Brooks, Willie Gay, Akeem Davis Gaither, one of them will definitely be there. But if you have a chance to take a lineman that you like a little bit more than the rest, you might as well do it here. The only thing that gives me any pause at all is... Josh Uchi, because we talked about the versatility of a Zach Bond. We saw Uchi's athleticism really show up in Mobile. We saw good movement skills in terms of covering, which is not something he was asked to do very often at Michigan. But I think I'm still on a tackle here, Joe. There's this one play. when I don't know if Edge already came up in the, in the athletic position by position, but there's one play I highlight on the video there where he covers K.J. Hamler down the middle of the field in a cover two situation. And it's like, oh, my God, that's one of the fastest receivers in the league. And he runs stride for stride. And they let him do this a few times. Uh, he's a super freak, Jess Uche, that is. I think we go Isaiah Wilson here. Now, if you like PFF and you like Mekhi Becton or Jedrick Wills, those guys get about a 75 and a 77 grade from PFF over the last two years. Isaiah Wilson gets a 77. 
the last two years. Isaiah Wilson would be a upgrade from Bobby Hart, I think, quickly. He probably beats him out right away. And if not, he plays guard and is a mauling 360-pound right guard. That's maybe a little too tall to be there, but he'd eventually move the tackle. I think this would be an A-plus pick in round three. I know he's got some scare. Um, scare? What am I looking for? Some red flags is actual word we've used before, Jake. Red flags in his profile, mainly the shuttle. It's not great for him. Uh, he doesn't change direction very well out there. He is more of a block-out-the-sun type blocker. you got to run a wide arc to get around him, and I think guys struggle to do that. But because of that shuttle poor and that poor agility, guys actually beat him inside more often than anything. So I think that can be fixed because once it gets your hand, his hands on you, man, he is a um, an ender of the play if anyone tries to get too close to him. He's just so long. I think that the length more than anything, if you want to make an argument that the shuttle for Isaiah Wilson doesn't matter, you just point to his arms being like 36 inches long. Yeah. What What is it actually? Do you have it so, in front of you? Yeah, 35.5. And I made the same argument that ja- James Daniels was stronger than Billy Price because of the length. Yeah, and, and that's a thing that you'll see multiple people say. If you have longer arms, your bench reps are expected to be lower. You have to move that bar a longer distance. So if you have longer arms, your your bench reps get a little more heavily counted. But I think everyone would be very pleased to get Isaiah Wilson in the third round. And we see that none of our linebacker targets are gone, and we now have to decide between Jordan Brooks, Willie Gay, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Josh Uchi, if we want to stick at linebacker. Mm. And I think I do want to stick at linebacker here, but I'm also a little more than a little tempted by Robert Hunt. Oh, you are now. And so get a right tackle and right guard and really just protect Joe Burrow. I yeah. think you're not wrong with that idea. I actually like Hunt a lot more when he, it's funny. He's a right tackle at Louisiana Lafayette, but you'll see a couple snaps a game. They just kick him the right guard. And it's like, okay, and I think he looks great there. Uh, and I think he would be. The only, my only concern is he's 24. So is, are we seeing the upside and he played at a small school? Uh, I think the linebackers are ripe here. You get your pick and of the top guys that are there. We're not going to get a receiver. The run has happened. I think we got to wait at least a round or maybe two. We're going to get a complimentary receiver. We're at that point now. The drop-off is real, and it is pretty strong. Uh, so I – I love this linebacker class in the mid-round. Just the guys you mentioned right there. I think Jordan Brooks is fantastic. I think Willie Gay Jr., especially third round. I think these guys are – it's funny. We're watching the 05 game, right? We're watching Odell Thurman just be a, a freak and run around, dive on piles when he's got no business diving on him. And I'm like, I want that. That's Willie Gay Jr. He's great in coverage, and he flies and hits people. Uh, I'm down to take that in round three. But, but yeah, so for me of the linebackers, I think I'm on Willie Gay at, at this point. I've come around. I am still scared, just like last week, of him punching a quarterback in the face. But from an on-field perspective, there is a very compelling case for Willie Gay. He does have that explosiveness in his game. They asked him to cover at Mississippi State, so there's a lot to like there. I just really like Josh Uchi too. So mm-hmm. if I were to push back, I would only push back for Josh Uchi here. Are you comfortable going Willie Gay over the versatility that you get with Uchi? That's a good question. Now here's the other thing I'm going to pose because if we get to round four, I bet there's still going to be a good linebacker left. So do you go Uchi and come back and take a linebacker and just say, listen, we've gotten a defensive interior player. We've got an edge rusher. 
a, a versatile edge rusher in Josh Uchi. He probably can be a Sam linebacker also in the 4-3, which he did at Michigan. And then you come back and get an, a linebacker to learn behind Bynes for a year and then probably take over for him. I think there'll still be someone good there. If you want to go Uchi now, here's the thing. Just promise to commit the fourth pick to a linebacker. And I'm comfortable with that. You remember the Senior Bowl? People liked Uchi more than Zach Bond in terms oh, yeah. of versatility. Yeah, he he looked he didn't look out of place whether he was playing linebacker because he actually did play linebacker at Michigan or if he was rushing the passer. He didn't get to rush the passer enough at Michigan. When you watch him, it is so tough for guys to get their hands on him. The power he shows, and you could see him go against Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs, and he shocks those guys back, and he's 245 pounds. He's more linebacker than he is um, defensive end. And in fact, I don't want to call him a defensive end at all. I don't. He's never going to put his hand down and rush. He stands up in a weird stance as close as he can to the line of scrimmage, and he explodes into people. Yeah, so we I picked Josh Uchi here. I made a bit of an executive decision there. I just really like the upside with Uchi. I think that he fits with Lou Anarumo and how he uses his defenders as chess pieces. And they're just the, – the third round in this particular mock draft is a – Third round of runs. We see four straight guards mm. go off the board between 79 and 82. And then Akeem Davis Gaither, Willie Gay, Troy Dye, Jordan Brooks all off the board. But despite all that, Joe, we can pick Logan Wilson here in the fourth round and feel pretty good about it. Is there anybody else that would pull you off of the linebacker at this point? So is there anything that can pull me off linebacker? Let's look at the board. Adam Troutman, tight end of Dayton. I would take him 100%. I think he should be the first tight end drafted. He has a great profile, and the tape is good. Uh, Troy Pride Jr., Notre Dame. I'd take him. I'd put him behind Troutman, though. I think Amik Robinson, the corner of Louisiana Tech. Really good nickel guy. I would love to have him, especially in round four. And then Devin Duvernay and Antonio Gandy-Golden, that wide receiver, as it's starting to get you know, a run, that wide receiver. We're definitely looking at guys that are – don't have great profiles or some holes in their games, but at the same time, they're probably number three, maybe at best number two type receivers. And that's okay. Once you get into the fourth round, I think Antonio Gandy golden has the profile of a guy that can end up as like a number two type receiver. Even though he ran a four, six, everything on, on him is good. The production's really good. You watch him on tape. He is a possession catch guy and contested catch. I should say he gets deep because his ball skills are so good. He boxes people out. You put it in his range. He makes a play. Yeah. He's playing at Liberty. So he's dominating the guys around him, but he should, uh, I think he would be a perfect fit with Joe Burrow. So the only thing I would say, if you don't want to go Logan Wilson at linebacker, cause I would Logan Wilson grades up very highly for us. He's a very safe profile. He's got good size, good athleticism, good production. The only thing for him is he'll be 24 years old in just a few months. So, you know, that's not great because he started for four years and dominated at Wyoming. We're talking about small school guys either way. But turning 24 is an issue rather than Antonio Ganey-Golden that is still very young. And I still like the linebackers that are on the board that will probably be there in round five. Who do you like? if we? Because we committed this pick to a linebacker, and, and we don't have to stick to that. But, I mean, you're looking at real projections in terms of of being starter quality i think mm-hmm. guys like joe batchy davian taylor who's coming off an injury evan mm-hmm. weaver doesn't really have the athleticism that i'm looking for and he might be gone anyway if you miss on those guys i mean you're marcus bailey coming off an injury right it, it gets you, pretty thin at this point 
again, yeah, Jacob Phillips is another guy that I think would be good to develop behind Josh Bynes. He's got a good profile, one of the surest tacklers in this draft, one of the best run defenders, one of the worst cover guys. So he would be a one-for-one one for Bynes, and I think that's – if he's there in the fifth, that's fine. But uh, to take him as your, your guy that you want to get into the nickel package somehow, I don't think that makes sense. I know Logan Wilson beat up on some lower competition compared to, you know, what, for example, Phillips was facing in the SEC. But, and I guess, you know, you have to acknowledge the age too. I hate that he's going to turn 24 soon. That is a pretty big detraction for all these guys, but less so at linebacker than at quarterback for sure. And just with the athleticism, the size, the production, the PFF grading, I don't want to push linebacker down the road any further. We might be giving up a BPA here to some degree, but at some point I think they have to find a guy who has some upside. And I think Logan Wilson, despite his age can be an every down linebacker. And that to me represents upside. And fairly early too. You look at his PFF grades. He's one of the best cover linebackers in this draft. He had a lot of ball production, got his hands on a lot of balls. He had an 81 grade in coverage, which is really good. I think on, it's only second to Willie Gay Jr. had a 90, Isaiah Simmons who had an 88, so not second, but right after that, he's in the mix with Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. So uh, yeah, he's pretty good in coverage, but his run defense is a 92 grade. So he's got that. And then when you look at his missed tackle percentage, only 10% of his missed tackles on tackle attempts, which is above average. And he's got 2,600 collegiate snaps, which means he could probably be that nickel guy for you right away. All right, so we're on the clock here with our last pick after going with Logan Wilson, the Wyoming linebacker, in the fourth round. This is as far as we're going to go today, just looking at who's still there at linebacker, Joe. We could have had Joe Bauchi, Evan Weaver, Kaliki Hudson, uh, PFF, I think, is pretty high on Cam Brown from Penn State. There's Nick Coe from Auburn, Marcus Bailey from Purdue, and Casey Tuhill mm-hmm. from Stanford, who are all names we should keep an eye on for the fifth and sixth rounds. But that being said, we did miss out on all those wide receivers, and now we're going to have to find another position to address. And you're really excited to see who. Well, first, uh, McTelvin Agum. Defensive interior, Arkansas. We're not going to draft him because we took Matabike, but he is actually really, really good and has a great profile. He grades very similar to Javon Kinlaw for us. Uh, It's funny because his agent just said on Twitter the other day he's met with almost every team, which usually means that, you know, he's got a lot of interest. And I watched the film earlier that day, and I'm like, yeah, he comes out really, really good for us. But I was pumping my fist at Antonio Gibson, the running back slash wide receiver out of Memphis, because – he reminds me like Dave, of David Johnson coming out in terms of that's what he did in college, David Johnson did, and was such a good receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. I think Gibson is actually a running back like Johnson, where you can split him out and he can run routes like a receiver. And I think for the Bengals, if they're going to go five wide or five-man protection and split that guy out a little bit more, he would be an awesome complement to Joe Mixon and could potentially replace Giovanni Bernard very quickly. That's a pretty fun pick, too. I think that's a sexy pick. He was pretty good at the Senior Bowl. Checks a lot of boxes for the fun factor. So let's go Antonio Gibson, the running back. We'll announce him as a running back, but he can contribute as a wide receiver for sure. 
the linebackers and safeties couldn't touch him in coverage. The one-on-one stuff, it was silly. What you know, he was just like, okay, put him at receiver so at least someone can cover him because these corners can. And he's not that great of a route runner. I think he can do it, uh, but it was it was goofy when they, when the the non-cover guys tried to cover him. So we end up accumulating a total of six picks in the first five rounds. Here we add a third-round pick and trade back. Go Joe Burrow, Justin Matabike, Isaiah Wilson, Josh Uchi, Logan Wilson, and Antonio Gibson. And Joe, if I had to criticize anything about this, it would be that we went heavy on defense after the Bengals went heavy on defense and free agency. We did not get Joe Burrow wide receiver. We didn't get one of those guys at the top of round two. And in our defense, all of those premier wide receiver targets we miss. We miss on Denzel Mims by two picks. Mm-hmm. And really at that point, you have to sell yourself on T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, all of whom have some red flags in their profile. Yeah, that's the thing. I think if you don't take a receiver at 33 or that trade back, you're going to be in a position. You're hoping a guy's there at 65. If not, then you're relegated to the fact that you're probably getting a depth player that can come in and help and contribute, which is okay because it's a strong class. Right here, we would get an offensive weapon in Antonio Gibson. It'd be up to the team to figure out how to use him and get him on the field, maybe with mixing a little bit, maybe get him at receiver a little bit. But getting Isaiah Wilson at tackle, which is should be a huge upgrade over Bobby Hart, and protecting Joe Burrow with Jonah Williams and Isaiah Wilson, who's just a massive human, while getting athletes at all three defensive picks that we did pick, I think the team is better. It's upgraded. This is a good draft, even if the criticism for me would be you didn't get a receiver, and I think it could potentially be a big issue next year if things don't go right, and they haven't gone right in two years now at that position. But you could, sometimes you can't fix everything, right? We, how many of these have we done? And there's always one position where, like, you know, I just wish we would have got a tackle a little earlier. Wish we would have got a guard a little earlier. Wish we would have got an edge guy. It just always ends up that way. I'd say this. We could have gone uh, for a receiver instead of Matt BK. We could have gone Pittman at that spot, despite mm-hmm. the fact that we do have some questions, and they're mostly age-related for Pittman. If you go Burrow, Pittman, Wilson, Uchi, Wilson, Gibson, Logan Wilson and Isaiah Wilson being the two Wilsons, I think mm-hmm. you still feel pretty good about that. And Matt BK is a bit of a luxury pick. I, I mean, he's he's a tier two need pick if we go back to the, the hierarchy of needs that we established yep. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. But here's the, how you get Matabike on the field a little bit more. And the Bengals had an issue with pass rush last year, and I think largely because, well, as much as we like Sam Hubbard, sometimes he's miscast as that D-tackle trying to rush the passer. I don't think he's best there. I wonder if he's even over 265 pounds. It is just it can be a, a bit of a liability, especially when they try to run at him, and they do when they see him out there. So you get Matabike instead. You put him next to Geno Atkins. Here, you know what you did in this offseason? You signed DJ Reader. You draft a D-tackle with a premium pick. You're surrounding Geno Atkins with premium talent to say, hey, not only we're not here to replace you right away, but we're going to make your job much easier as you're on the back end of your career. Yeah, and they did say they wanted to get Gino a little more rest this year. Matt BK can help with that as well. PFF gives us a 72.3 grade for this, which is above average. What's really interesting to me about their grading system here is that we only win that trade back, moving back from 33 to 38 and picking up a third-round pick 
62% of the time, which you know, it you seems know like a really good return to me. Yeah, I think the return's good, but I think we bypassed some first-round graded players and took someone who wasn't, so that right there is the risk, right? Yeah, I think that is exactly it. You could have gone T. Higgins, could have gone Brandon Ayuk, who I think both of those guys PFF really likes. Besides that, we didn't really pass on anybody, but then we end up taking Justin Matt BK instead of a position that uh, PFF values a lot higher. So, And uh, Patrick Queen is 24th on PFF's board, so I bet if we take it, him, they're a little bit happier with it. Yeah, you can actually click on each pick you make and see who the most likely player for that pick is. And at 38, the most likely player to be selected is actually Patrick Queen, 40% Antoine Winfield, 13%. Mm. So uh, there you go. Maybe if we take Queen there, things look a little bit different down the road. But I really like getting Uchi and Wilson in the third and fourth with that extra pick. And I would definitely be pretty satisfied with this draft. And in retrospect, would only really... I would want to make sure they had a plan for Matabike and Antonio Gibson. Of course, right? That's the same with Josh Uchi. I mean, because yeah. he's going to take require some creativity. Uh, so I'm cool with that, uh, with you saying that, and I would agree. And I think the same thing with Isaiah Wilson. Do you just hand him? He's a third-round pick. Does he just come in and beat Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson? Yeah, maybe not. He should. I think we all would agree that, but he may not. So can you put him at guard? Can, who wins that guard job? Is it a bigger competition? Can Fred Johnson or Bobby Hart kick the guard? Um you got to get the best five guys out there. After watching 2005 and Bobby Williams beside uh, Willie Anderson. And that's your idea, Willie Anderson, man. That's what he looks like, doesn't he? Well, I'm just thinking of putting him beside uh, Fred Johnson and just having two mm. absolutely massive human beings <laughs> yeah. on the right side of the offensive line. That'd be fun. And, and Bobby Williams had his full name on his jersey, which is hilarious. Uh, I don't know if you saw that in the 2005 game today. His, his Bobby Williams was the, the full nameplate. I, I was amused. He was fun. I mean, did you see that one play where uh, Rudy bounces to the right and then they get stuffed at like the three next to, you know, yep. Willie Anderson. It's just full 45-degree angle, legs just pumping. Yep. Doof, doof, doof. And I'm like, go, Willie, get him in there. Like, I didn't see this before. And I'm like, oh, and they got stopped. Yep, I tweeted about that one. Uh, it, it reminds me of the video we saw of Jonah Williams pushing the truck. It's it's exactly, <laughs> exactly. that, except it's it's it, they were those two guys were were moving a pile of like eight men, and and they've yeah. made it probably another two yards forward before Willie or before Rudy lost his balance. That was a fun game. It was. Uh, Shout out to Tony Stewart, great block on that play. Also, the Steelers of two thousand five. We'll talk about this tomorrow. We're and, and at this point, we're at 45 minutes, so I don't think anyone's listening anymore anyway. But uh, the Steelers of 2005 were one of the most hateable teams, Easy. one of the most hateable iterations of that team. And the Bengals in 2005 were just supremely likable, mm-hmm. um, I, I think, generally. But that's yeah. going to do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Give us a tag at the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account at Lockdown Bengals. Give us your grade. For Joe Burrow, Justin Matabike, Isaiah Wilson, Josh Uchi, Logan Wilson, and Antonio Gibson through five rounds of the 2020 NFL Draft. Have a good one, Bengals fans. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.